Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Today's decline came down to four words, a few months early. That phrase, spoken by Federal Reserve Chief Jay Powell, explaining why he might favor ending the Fed's bond-buying program sooner rather than later, sent the market into just an abrupt and miserable tailspin that people are going home feeling very bad about. It's why the Dow plunged 652 points, S&P plummeted 1.90%, Nasdaq tumbled 1.55%, could have been worse there. Powell's comments about winding down a program that's helped keep the economy going, they were unexpected. They were jarring. The Fed's bond-buying program has made it cheaper for companies to borrow money, which helps propel the economy. Also unexpected, Powell's decision to call inflation more persistent and less transitory, which marks a break with his previous thinking. In the past, he very much believed that inflation would simmer down once we worked out our supply bottlenecks. He always told us that it was transitory. Now he wants to retire the word transitory entirely. Powell's feeling like the oven has gotten just too hot, and we may be burning the turkey. So why keep turning up the heat with more bond purchases? Why not close out the program sooner rather than later? All right, now listen. If Powell had made these statements, let's say, a week ago, before uh, Omicron, I think the market would probably would have taken it in stride. It's common sense. But we got pulverized today because the timing was so bad. We were already freaked out about the Omicron invasion. So the comments seemed a little tone deaf. But does an early end to the Fed's bond buying program mean the bull is a dead bovine walking? Look, the bull's obviously suffering or else we wouldn't get this crushing sell-off. If you own stocks, j did pick indeed a lousy moment to get religion on inflation. Wall Street doesn't want to hear about an accelerated taper while we're waiting for the other shoe to drop with the Omicron variant. However, as Powell pointed out, the economy is definitely stronger. You and I know that. It's stronger than it was, and we're luckily going to get a pretty good unemployment number, okay, uh, this Friday. So he wanted to lay out what he thinks the Fed should do if Omicron doesn't wreck the economy. If this new strain really doesn't earn us, believe me, Fed, Powell can just change. He said, he'll, he'll say there's no reason to accelerate. He can walk back his comments like he did three years ago when he got too aggressive about tightening and the market rolled over. In the immortal words of Joey Brown and Some Like It Hot, Nobody's perfect. 
Now, to some degree, all of this is inside baseball. What the heck does it mean to you, regular investors, if Powell now thinks inflation is more persistent and the bond buying program needs to wind down ahead of schedule? Honestly, not much. In fact, I think after this maelstrom of selling, it's become a reason to buy. I'm not going to tell you to sell. Let me explain. Consider the average investor who these days invests for the most part with long-term index funds. That's the kind of person who should be looking for a price break to put money to work rather than wait till the end of the year and maybe stocks have gone too high. Powell's comments are not a reason for the typical index fund buyer to run from the market or sell. And if you are selling here, you're freaking out about the inevitable. Didn't we all know that the Fed would start to hit the brakes once the economy got hot enough? One day. That's what always happens, even if Powell's being more measured about it this time. Jay, he simply stated the obvious. He just did it a few months early. You had to expect the Fed would tighten someday, and you had to know the market would get hit whenever that happened. Plus, while Omicron may slow down the economy, it's also bad news on the inflation front because a new strain means more people missing work, creating more supply bottlenecks that lead to higher prices. See, before the Delta variant, we actually thought COVID flare-ups would merely damage the economy. But they also damage the supply chain, which does cause more inflation. And that makes it harder for Powell to ignore inflation. We just didn't know when he'd make these comments. Considering we had one of the best days of the year from NASDAQ yesterday, I can understand why he felt emboldened. I mean, why the hell not? Although I wish he'd waited another couple of weeks. But again, nobody's perfect. Still, Jay's doing what's right. With this much job creation, not enough people to fill the jobs. You and I know the one as you look at the you look at every single shop front, right? We got shortages galore here and they're being used to jack up the prices. So he had to bite the bullet. He's not he's not oblivious. He's not obtuse. Now, last time I told you that if you wanted to buy stocks, you had to wait until we get our first confirmed Omicron hospitalization here in the U.S. But for your average index fund investor who's trying to figure out whether it's a good time to buy, put more money to work in the S&P. Well, they just got a clarion call to pull the trigger on at least some of that cash right now, even ahead of the hospitalization. Lest we find out that Omicron isn't as horrible as we think. The call? At one point today, we had nine to one selling to buy. Nine to one. Keep those numbers in mind. That is a hallowed ratio where the late Mark Haynes, a legendary CBC anchor and a good friend of mine, would always tell you that you had to do some buying. You had to hold your nose, he would say, buy, 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 and do some buying. That's how he called the clairvoyant Haynes bottom when the selling got too excessive in March of 2009. So given that it's a good idea to keep some money in an S&P 500 index fund for your retirement, you have my blessing tomorrow morning to commit some capital, some capital, uh, not all. The rest needs to be put to work in stages after we start getting battered by Omicron cases here in America if something really goes wrong. I'd say call out one quarter of your money tomorrow, one quarter of the day Omicron hits our shores, and then the next half over the following few days. This is the kind of thinking, I think, for people with IRAs, 401ks. This is your chance if you haven't done it yet. How about if you're picking individual stocks? A little bit different. You don't want to go too deep into this market yet, but there are some things you can start buying here. Either dividend stocks, as CNBC Investing Club members know all too well because of today's bolden, or tech stocks, which do well when the economy slows, whether it's caused by the Fed or by Omicron. That means Amazon down big, ServiceNow or Microsoft probably down because people think Salesforce is slowing, which it's not. I'm going to mention Tesla because people like me to mention Tesla. It is a tech stock. Don't need to buy more than that right now. I think you get more opportunities to buy stocks into weakness, keeping my powder dry for the rest. But are putting money to work, putting money to work. 
In short, I am not sanguine. Okay, that would be foolish. I wish that Powell hadn't made these comments until the market finished processing the new variant. But I think the supply chain weaknesses from potential absentee workers who fear Omicron will create more inflationary worries. It's just what happened. We didn't think it would, but we've never seen anything. We've never seen anything like this. Now, so Powell's got the bases covered. Powell's gotten it over with. He said what he had to say about inflation and bond buying without committing to a series of lockstep rate hikes, as he foolishly did in 2018. It's almost cathartic. Want to commit more money tomorrow, then? I still want to be conservative uh, and be sensitive to the first Omicron casualty here. This sell-off is based both on COVID and on the Fed, probably in equal parts. Tomorrow, the Fed won't say anything, though, right? That damage is done. But while we're still in Omicron purgatory, you, so you need to keep your powder dry, because I think the market will have another leg down when we get a wave of sensationalistic stories about how the new strain has arrived at our shores. I'm trying to, I'm trying to prevent that, as you see later in the show. Remember, we do have a strong economy. That's not bad. It's good. We've also got our best drug companies working hard to adapt their vaccines for the new variant. Also good. So the bottom line, it's too early to buy hand over fist, but too late to sell at this point at a nine to one down ratio. OK, you'd be selling into a classic fear trap. That's just not worth it. Buy it. Don't sell it. Oh, man, money tonight. Salesforce reported after the bell, and I'm getting to the heart of the quarter with the company's top brass. Then another investing club named PayPal has fallen from its highs, <laughs> to say the least. Does it pay to invest here? Let's check with the CEO. And the Omicron variant continues to spread fear. So I'm going to do, go to one of the best doctors in the world, try to end fear. Go for rationality. Dr. Eric Topol, Stable Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. All right, what 
What the heck just happened to the stock of Salesforce? I mean, really, it's down 10 percent. The cloud came just reported an excellent quarter. Stocks sold off hard in after-hour trading because management gave what I call conservative forecast. Not unusual. Let's confront this as well. Introduce a new co-CEO to a company in which my trust owns shares. We'll have a club bulletin out this very evening about these numbers and this interview. I want to dig deep with Mark Benioff, the founder, chairman, and now co-CEO of Salesforce, and Brett Taylor, the newly promoted co-CEO and vice chairman. Gentlemen, welcome to Mad Money. It's great to be with you, Jim. Thanks for having us. All right. So first, let's get over the news here. Mark, you've got a new co-CEO, someone who was just named the Twitter chairman yesterday, obviously active. How are you going to split your roles? Well, Brett Taylor is having a big week. I think uh, everybody knows he had an amazing career at Google, where he kind of created this amazing Google Maps, and then he... uh, Started a company that was acquired by Facebook. He became the CTO of Facebook and uh, left Facebook, started another company, which Salesforce acquired. And for the last uh, five and a half years, he has had a phenomenal run at Salesforce and was our appointed our COO two years ago. And today, Brett, congratulations on being the co-CEO of Salesforce. I couldn't be happier for you. Congratulations. Thank you. I couldn't be happier either. It's an incredible privilege. Uh, We've had a long, lifelong friendship and partnership, and it's uh, just a fulfillment of a dream. All right, so let's let's just dispel some things immediately. There were people who felt when you named the previous co-CEO that therefore you were done, Mark. You're going to go to the beach. You're going to run for president, whatever. Are you going to go to the beach? You're going to run for president, whatever. Or are you going to stay as co-CEO? Jim, I love Salesforce. You know that. And, you know, you, you've seen me with our customers and how much fun I have with all of our stakeholders. I'll, I'm never leaving Salesforce. This is my life's pursuit. But I'll tell you, I couldn't be more thrilled to have a great partner here with Brett Taylor. And, and uh, he's just amazing. You know, I, this is my dream that Brett would come in the company and we could, we could work it and run it together and lead it together in a trusted partnership. And that's happening. All right, well, Brett, I'm going to put you right on the hot seat that I would have put Mark on. Uh, stock is down 30. We can argue that doesn't matter. The stock's irrelevant. However, most of the people who watch the show do own Salesforce stock in one way or another. And a lot of people are saying that your guidance was not conservative, but that you really see some sort of definitive slowdown, whether it be at Slack, Tableau, main Salesforce. Any of that right? Uh, well, Jim, we just had a phenomenal quarter, growing 27%. And a few things stand out to me. Number one is just the strength in our core CRM business. Our sales cloud accelerated to 17% year-over-year growth. It is now a $6 billion run rate business, just like our service cloud, which is another $6 billion run rate business, growing over 20%. Our core of our business has never been stronger. And Slack, it's just amazing the response we're getting from our customers. We exceeded our guidance on Slack by $30 million. Every single company that I talked to, I was actually just on the road with Gavin Patterson in Europe. I visited Paris, I visited London, I visited Amsterdam and Frankfurt. Every single CEO I met is building a digital headquarters for their company because they all know we're not going back to the office five days a week. Uh, I really feel like the demand environment is strong. I'm so happy with both the core of our organic business and I couldn't be more excited about how Slack is going. All right, so then, Mark, why didn't you uh, have uh, a current re- a remaining performance obligation that was 18.8? People are looking for 18.7. Why isn't it 20 billion? I mean, what's some number that someone has pie in the sky that they're asking you to deliver? Which, if you can see right here, we're finishing up our second year in the 20 billions, you know, which is uh, 
amazing. We're delivering this amazing guidance, you know, for today, which is kind of incredible, $26.4 billion uh, for this fiscal year that we're finishing, fiscal year 22. And Jim, we gave guidance that for next year, we're exiting the 20 billions and we're going to 31.8 billion. So we only spent two years in the 20 billion. So this is a very fast growing business. Our core is growing very quickly. And you know, we have these phenomenal acquisitions like Slack, MuleSoft, um, and Tableau, and so many other great things that are driving our business faster than we could have expected. So business is really strong. We just had a great quarter and we're very excited about next All right, year. Well, let me go right at it. Okay, you see fourth quarter adjusted earnings per share at 72 to 73. Mark, people are looking for 82. Game, set, match. That's what they were looking for. How do we dispel that or we just own it? We, we own it, Jim, because let me just tell you that the number one thing for us is we're, we're driving customer success. This is our highest value. And what we saw in the quarter was phenomenal customer success. I mean, Brad, I think you should tell them about the unbelievable cyber weekend we had and Black Friday and Monday and everything that just happened with us. Well, as you know, Jim, yesterday was Cyber Monday. We just came off, I think, the, the kickoff to the holiday shopping season. Our marketing cloud has sent over 1 trillion messages this year, culminating with 40 billion messages in Cyber Week alone, growing 34% year over year, week, year over year. Cyber Week really runs on Salesforce for brands like LVMH, like Puma, Ralph Lauren, um, just incredible momentum going into the holiday season. And it's incredible to see, you know, we talk a lot about this new normal. Last year, you know, obviously everything was digital. Even with retail stores reopening, we just saw digital continue to grow, continue to accelerate because we truly are in this new normal. And I, let me just add, also, we had phenomenal performance and availability during the most important weekend of the year for our customers. We got phone calls from customers who don't use all of our products, but some of our products, and the products that they were not using from our competitors were having performance issues. And, whoa, it just really amplified you know, our gratitude to our own team for what a great job they have done for our customers. Well, then, Brett, I'm listening. When I see uh, nameplay, uh, Mercedes-Benz, T-Mobile, ADT, LVMH, LVMH is uh, – I idolize those guys. They're such an amazing company. I am saying that it's not business as usual. I am saying it's better than business as usual. Would that be correct? I think it is. I'll just give you a great example. There's a company called Grab in Southeast Asia. They do ride sharing. They do food delivery. Hu Ling Tan is a friend of mine. Ling is actually an alumnus of Salesforce, yes. co-founder of that company. They have 16,000 people all on Slack running that business. You know, these are the next generation of these innovative companies all running on Customer 360 and Slack. And, you know, I talk to every CEO and every board. I've been on the road almost all quarter. They're all talking about getting back to growth. They're talking about resilience. They're talking about agility. And our software portfolio could not be more relevant right now to help every one of our customers get back to growth. Fair enough. Well, I want to congratulate you, Brett. But I was going to congratulate you on, on being uh, chairman of Twitter, but that's already in the past. I'll congratulate you as co-CEO of Salesforce and co-CEO Mark Benioff. Congratulations. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah, happy you. Merry Christmas behind you. And hope to see you both soon. Thank you very much. Guys, look, you can go sell on this stuff. I mean, you know what? It's been wrong to sell every time. It, it, go be wrong. Mad Money's back here from break. Coming up, this holiday season, how will you pay for the festivities that light up the night and snugly beckon from under the tree? Kramer cranks open the digital wallet with PayPal. Next. 
When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. When will financial tech stocks get cheap enough to be enticing? Take PayPal. That's the digital payments kingpin with a stock that's plunged from 310 in July to just under 185 today. As fintech has fallen out of favor, most recent quarter was poorly received. But at this point, the decline's gotten pretty extreme. The question, is there a catalyst? Earlier today, we got a chance to speak with Dan Schulman. He's the president and CEO of PayPal at the company's office in New York City. Take a look. Dan? Jim, stock's been down. Yes, I always yes. appreciate a person who comes on when a stock's down. Let's start with the now. Cyber Monday, Black Friday. How was it for PayPal? Yeah, I'm so glad you started there. It's been interesting to see the statistics come out. Um, people have seen more people coming into store, online flat. But the way that I look at that is if you go back to 2019, which is pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. Digital sales last year went up by 50%. This year, they're flat. Okay. Retail sales went up this year, but from 2019, they're down 26%. So what that says to me is that e-commerce and online is an increasing part of overall retail today, way more than you could have imagined two years ago. And PayPal had a real strong start coming into November. We saw sales being pulled forward. Uh, We were growing Mm -hmm. faster than we expected for those first couple of weeks. And then based on the published reports we've seen so far, we've handily outpaced the industry average over the Cyber 5 as well. Now, you say you're ahead of plan. Now, you did have a goal that you set earlier this year of 750 million users by 2025. At this pace, and I don't know, obviously, the November pace, uh, you're looking like a little over 400 million, and that would mean you'd have to add 75 to 80 million new net users this year. Possible? So this year, what we told the market is we do about 55 million net new actives, and we're on track to do 55 million net new actives. Um, I would say the way to think about this, Jim, is there are two ways of thinking about net new actives. One is the top of the funnel. How many new are you getting? And then there's the bottom of the funnel, because today we're over 416 million people on the platform today. We'll wind up the year north of 430 million uh, on the platform. So the key to stopping people from leaving the platform is engagement. And engagement has to do with expanding our value proposition into new applications, like, for instance, Buy Now, Pay Later, which we should talk about later, because... That's been 
one of the stars, actually, of the holiday season for us. Well, let's go right there. Uh, there's a perception that Max Lepchin was on, announced on Mad Money, announced the Amazon deal, he announced, uh, which, by the way, he had to give away a lot of his company, but he got it, uh, announced how business had gone, and really kind of made people feel... PayPal's an also-ran buy now, pay later versus Klarna uh, ver- versus even Square with Afterpay, which is a, they're about to talk about. Are you the second fiddle in buy now, pay later? I'm so glad you asked that question, Jim, because we are one. Oh, we've only been in this for like the last year, right. maybe year and a half or so. And we are already one of the top three or four buy now player, uh, players in the world. Um, let me give you some statistics okay. um, that just happened uh, during uh, this uh, November and during the holidays. So uh, during Black Friday, our volume on Buy Now, Pay Later was up almost 400% year over year. We did some 750,000 transactions alone in one day on Black one Friday. Day. In okay. one day. And, Jim, in November, it was our first time ever that we did over a billion dollars of process volume on Buy Now, Pay Later in a month. And we did over one million first-time users for the first time ever in a month. So if you take a look at our run rate, you know, at a million, a billion dollars times 12, that's $12 billion uh, run rate on Buy Now, Pay Later. We have well over 10 million consumers using it. 950,000 plus merchants doing that, growing, as I mentioned, you know, Black Friday at least grew almost 400%. These are growth rates that are second to none on buy now, pay later at scale that is closing in to the very top of any of the buy now, pay later. Oh, well, let's, let's do it. Given what you just said, the media leaked that you were evaluating potentially acquiring Pinterest, uh, which a lot of people felt meant, and it spooked people, spooked mm-hmm. me. Yep. So I said, geez, I thought I they had the did. greatest growth. Why do they need Pinterest? Uh, I also made me think that maybe the underlying business, is, it simply isn't as healthy or that it might even distract you. Was the media wrong? Did you consider this? I know you consider any deal, but understand why we felt spooked. We who support you, my child trust, owned your stock forever. I know. You've been a good friend uh, for a long time, Jim, on this. So let me start off with um, kind of where we are. If you think about our core business, the PayPal business x eBay. Okay. And that is the way to think about because eBay is dissipating. But right? go five to two percent, and that was a little faster, or is that oh, it was okay? faster than we expected? Faster than you expected. All right. For and you sure. Said that in the last call. Yeah, I, exactly. Right. And by the way, way faster than we expected when we came in the year. Maybe right. three hundred and fifty basis points of growth faster right. impact than we expected coming into the year. But eBay is now less than three percent of our TPV, about three percent of our revenues. And, you know, what we are seeing um, is our core business in Q3 this year grew at 25% XEBay. Last year, Q3, right, right in the right. middle of the pandemic, it grew at 26%. Two years ago, it grew at 23%. Right. And so what you're seeing is incredibly consistent, strong core performance. And that continues on. And so... We don't need any acquisition for our medium-term guidance. Like our revenues, and, you know, we were appropriately prudent and cautious as we came into the fourth quarter and looked to next year. You had 
supply chain issues for sure. Remember, mm-hmm. Jim, we have 33 million merchants on our platform. Right, right. The vast majority are small and mid-size. Mm-hmm. Small and mid-size, 66% of them at the end of last quarter said they would be severely or moderately impacted by supply chain shortages. We know that's a big part of our base, and we know it's exogenous. We know it will go away over time. So we said next year we would grow our revenues, including eBay, at 18%. Right. Now, remember this, Jim. That's at a $25 billion-plus revenue but, but run rate. Shopify is having an increase over that, and they've got Shopify pay. They're not trying to do a deal perhaps with Pinterest. I mean, they, we got to answer these questions because yeah. the sellers at 180 think that things were slowing. The 18% meant you got to buy Pinterest to get back to the 25%. Yeah. Now, was that, I mean, there were talks with Pinterest. So I, I can't come directly on Pinterest um, because we don't comment on any rumors about that. But let me talk just a little bit about that. First of all, like Shopify, you mentioned that. One in every four transactions on Shopify is powered by PayPal. Just to be clear, like we're a big partner uh, inside of Shopify. Second, Jim, you know, my job and my responsibility is to think strategically about where is this industry going? You know, what are the adjacencies it's not just about payments anymore. Okay. It's about payments. It's about core and basic consumer financial services. It's about shopping. It's about commerce okay. tool sets. It's about following the consumer from inspiration to discovery to purchase okay. to post-purchase. And so we look at hundreds of potential acquisitions every single year. I mean, we have... $20 billion of cash on our balance sheet. We spin off 5 to $6 billion a year of free cash flow. So we have a very strong balance sheet, and we're going to be acquisitive. But we have very strict criteria for how we evaluate acquisitions. We look at it, one, strategically, doesn't make sense. And by the way, like Honey was an example right. of in adjacency I liked honey. that you we know bought that. in. I thought honey was great. I honey been, was a great I acquisition been for us. Because even though you say that it's, more just, that it's a bigger universe, holistically, I don't know whether Pinterest is necessarily right for PayPal. Well, obviously, neither did we per se. Well, we want you to monetize like here, Venmo. Yeah. We want, that's what we want. But let me just finish on the capital allocation. So we look strategically. We look financially. Doesn't make sense right. for us. And then we look at integration, like how hard is it? Will it be distracting? And all of those criteria need to be met, Jim, before we would do an acquisition. And we, we will only do an acquisition, big or small, if it meets all of those criteria for us. We aren't doing those acquisitions, Jim, to hit our medium-term guidance. That would be over and above if we did a big acquisition The, the, the like last that. question I have to ask is, your, your stock has gone down as if your business has slowed. What yeah. you are saying is not only that you're not, is business not slowed, but you're on or after uh, Black Friday above plan. If you have all this cash, if you wanted to, you could do a you know, buy back a $5 billion worth of stock tomorrow. This stock seems wrongly priced to me. You know, <laughs> I, know. I think That's up to every, me, not you. every CEO, 
I think, always thinks that their stock is undervalued and should be valued more. Here's the way I think about it. The market is valuing our stock based on sentiment and based on, you know, information they have. And, My, now, and, and many competitors coming Yeah, in. yeah. My job is to be sure that PayPal stays focused and executes okay. on its game plan. Because there are so many tailwinds in our industry. I mean, e-commerce is growing by leaps and bounds. Clearly, the pandemic accelerated that. PayPal is outperforming the industry consistently, quarter after quarter after quarter. And the way that I think about it, Jim, is, you know, if your results are good and you are executing against what you say you are going to do, then eventually your stock is valued appropriate with your results. I agree with that. And, you know, when I look at how we're doing on buy now, pay later, which I'd put us at the very top of the heap of that uh, right now in terms of our growth rate, in terms of our scale, in terms of our impact, in terms of our value proposition. If you look at our core business, ex-eBay, ex-eBay, because that is going away. That is one time to pig through the Python. It is definitely going away. Um, You look at our core business, incredibly strong and incredibly consistent as well. And then you look at all the new things that we're putting into place. Our new app, which is a driving engagement. We've had two quarters in a row now where we've had double-digit percentage increases in engagement. Those are all really encouraging and promising signs to me. Can you hit 20% next year growth? Well, ex-eBay, we will hit 20%. Okay, good. Okay, so ex-eBay. Yeah, and by the way, here's one other thing that's really important to note, uh, Jim, about next year. We also said first quarter will be our lowest quarter as well, which means if ex-eBay will be between 20 and 21% growth next year, that we're going to exit even higher than that as you go into the fourth quarter. And so to me, this will work its way through. You know, I recognize and it's frustrating that our stock price is down. I know it's frustrating for you. It's frustrating for me personally. It's frustrating for our employees and obviously disheartening for our shareholders. But my view is we are executing on our game plan. We are outperforming the market. We are executing on our initiatives. And all that catches up over the medium term. All right, let's leave it right there. I want to thank Dan Schulman, President and CEO of PayPal. Dan, I don't know, I'm willing to shake hands with you. That's so Thank great. you very yeah, much. Thank you so much, Dan. Coming up, know the facts about the new variant stalking this holiday season. Kramer gets a second opinion you can't afford to miss. Next. All right, this market's going into roller coaster mode thanks to the Omicron strain. But before we can figure out how to play it, invest in it, do anything with it, we've got to get our facts straight on this new variant. That's why tonight we're checking in with our most trusted source on COVID. His name is Dr. Eric Topol. He's a fantastic cardiologist and the founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute. He has got absolutely no bias on this issue, and his Twitter account has become required reading these days. Dr. Topol, welcome back to Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Great to be with you again. All right, so, Doc, we keep hearing that we don't really have enough information, don't have enough information. But we know that there have been planes landing from South Africa to the Netherlands, and we know that there were many people who had this strain. 
Are they doing contact tracing? Do we know whether they had that double vaccination? Don't we have really some solid samples right from the Netherlands? We do. As you say, Jim, over 10 percent of those 600 passengers were found to have uh, uh, COVID and a large number now are getting sequenced to show that it's actually the Omicron variant. So we don't have the vaccination status on those and many others. We do know the the outbreak in the province in South Africa. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty steep. But again, most of that is unvaccinated individuals. So we're starting to accrue that information. But we do know a lot about the virus structure and sequence itself, which is really quite revealing. Well, I mean, there are a lot of people, for instance, we had uh, uh, Stefan Bansell on our show uh, yesterday morning on Squawk, and he was very sanguine. He made us feel pretty good. And then he gave an interview to Financial Times that evening. Not only was he not sanguine, he was very saturnine, made us all feel bad. Now, I mean, I really don't like this kind of inconsistency, and I happen to like Stefan very, very much. But, I mean, what is happening, uh, say, in, in a, is this hour to hour that we're getting more information? Because that kind of inconsistency creates tremendous uncertainty. I couldn't agree more with you, Jim. we got to look at the hard facts about how our immune system responds, because that's really the main challenge here, the so-called antigenic drift. That is, because of so many mutations, that it looks different to our body our immunized body uh, from vaccines or from a prior infection. And so that is the, re- the main agenda here is how much does it really evade our immune system? And you know what? We, we are so certain that when you get a booster third shot, you get really high levels of neutralizing antibodies and you get a broader num- uh, 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 coverage of those antibodies. The other thing is T-cells. T-cells are what's really protecting us from severe disease, from COVID pneumonia. And our T-cells are are very uh, insensitive, not affected by variants uh, to any significant degree. So there's lots of reasons for optimism that this is not, you know, some uh, horrible situation that we're in. The vaccine should hold up against severe disease, especially with people who are boosted, and so I don't understand the inconsistency that the same person, Jim, what? giving two different messages. I mean, and at the same time, the BioNTech uh, uh, CEO give, giving a very positive message. So if you just look at the biology, you would be optimistic, really. I mean, I hate to say it, but two out of three ain't bad. You, you've got Dr. Borla, who is a very <laughs> renowned scientist, a total heavyweight. You've got the people from BioNTech. And then you have Bansell, who in the morning is very bullish, and in the evening is very bullish. Uh, Doc, I got to tell you. If you came to me, I'm not kidding. If you came to me and said, Jim, what do you think of the stock of Chevron in the morning? And I said, it's good. And I went to you if you asked me at five o'clock what I think, I'd say it's bad. You know what you would say? You're a quack. I'm not listening to you. We need consistency. And I feel that your business is a bit of a business. I know because I've read your books. There are people who are, frankly, they ought to say no comment. You have been so straight, and I follow you because you ta- you say that person really doesn't have all the scoop yet. Maybe they shouldn't be saying. I am saying that I believe that there is a propensity to scare people. And then what happens is that you say, why should I take a booster? Nothing works. And I mean, I got attacked last night pretty heavily because I said people should be vaccinated. Not unlike when I got the polio jab, Okay. Which, by the way, I didn't want polio and I didn't want to give anybody polio, whatever. We didn't even know what polio was, but we didn't want to get it. And I am getting crucified because I said I thought that what General Eisenhower did was right. 
which is make us fat. How is this wrong, Dr. Tobel? How was that wrong? Oh, you know, look, this is a three shot vaccine. We may as well declare that. Finally, the CDC acknowledged that yesterday that all adults and and soon uh, older teens all should have a third shot. This is a three shot vaccine. You know, we we knew that from the beginning. It it was only a question of whether it be at one year or two years. But it proved from a novel virus that it really was five or six months is when the effectiveness waned. So we have to we have to declare that. So there's no more mix up. It's not a booster. It's a three shot vaccine. Right. Um, right. Now, with respect to this, uh, this variant, you know, Omicron, I think, is something that is you have the one outburst in the one province in South Africa, which is steep, acknowledging that. And you have a bunch of cases that are scattered now in 20 countries around the world. But we don't have any other outbreaks of significance. We don't have any where there's heavy vaccination coverage, especially with third shots. So before we get too uh, out of control uh, in an in a anxious panic state, we ought to be watching the lab studies. We're going to be out in the days ahead, whether our, the sera from vaccinees uh, is effective against the uh, Omicron variant. And then we'll have, as you started, we'll have much more data about vaccination status and um, the, the, what, what is going on in these community transmissions that have been observed in Germany and right. Portugal and Netherlands. So we're, it's only a matter of days. We'll have a lot more. Well, let's wait. Let's wait and reach a conclusion that it's really bad. And it doesn't work. I want to thank you for coming on, Doc, because what you basically said is it's common sense medicine and public health, not craziness and scaring people. So thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. It's always great to see you, Dr. Topol. Same here. Great to be with you. you. That's Dr. Eric Topol, Scripps Research Translational Institute, and a common sense person, really calm as it is. Mad Money's back in. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. It is time. And then, are you ready? Keep that time. Let's start with Joe in Missouri. Joe. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Calling from Chiefs Nation. What I know about DOCN, DigitalOcean. They floated a billion dollars in senior convertible notes. Market didn't seem to mind, but then they've taken a beating since. Well, I mean, look, it, it is in the right place. It's, it's tools for developers. I've always liked these kinds of companies. I think you're in fine shape. It's a very high multiple stock, and that's what's causing the decline. Brian and Rhode Island. Brian. Hey, Jim. Happy Booyah to you and your family. I oh, want to know what you. you think about uh, Daxar. I believe it's the east in the hole for this whole COVID uh, you know what? That has not been the case so far. I mean, you can speculate on it, Brian, but it has not been a winner, and I don't think that's going to change. Morris in New York. Morris. Hey, Jim. Big fan here. I want to get your thoughts on this new uh, EV play, GGPI. No, I looked at this. This is one of the – actually, you know, when we were talking about the investment club people, we got together. We said, okay, just one more, one more, one more. I'm not there. I'm not back in this group. Just can't. Ron in Florida. Ron. Hey, Jim. Hey, Ron. I got a company that my wife and a lot of her friends are shipping to, are, are switching to for some online shopping because, quote her words, they love the checkout process. 
What are your thoughts on ThreadUp? Commodity, the two many other companies are doing the exact same thing right now. Betty thing, your hope with ThreadUp is that Macy's does a spinoff of its invest of its uh, e-commerce and then buys those guys. Otherwise, I say NWO. No way out. John in Utah. John. Jim, how you doing? I am having a great day. How about you, John? Most things are good. Thank you. I've listened to you for many years. Oh, thank you. Appreciate all the positive uh, investment advice you've given to me. Oh, I'm calling about you. Nokia, Nokia. However, I have actually warmed up to Nokia. Then I'll tell you why I've warmed up to it. Because we have tried to shut the Chinese down in a lot of different uh, telecom, telecom infrastructure, and it's starting to play a role because people all around the world are getting a little tired about the repression. Ta- the repression. And the tactics of repression do not go well with the democracies that Nokia is selling into. I like them. Michael, in Florida. Michael. Hi, Jim. How Michael. are you doing? I am doing well. How about you? Amazing, amazing. That's so, good. That's uh, good. Hello. So do I ask my question right now? Yeah, why not? Screws time, Zen. Okay. So, Jim, I love your show. I watch it every night with my one-year-old son, Elijah. Smart kid. What's your thoughts on Delta Airlines? All right, Delta's very interesting because I think you should buy some tomorrow and then buy some more if, they could, if uh, Omicron gets worse. Because Delta is a very good company, and that has become, other than United, my favorite go-to airlines. And that, ladies and gentlemen, of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, the Fed speaker. Now, how should you react? Kramer wants you to put your money to work. Find out where next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Jimmy Chills Dills. You want to have, you know, now they've got another slogan for my pickles. Which, by the way, I had way too much all space to spice this year. Not next year. Okay, good. But too sweet. Too sweet. You can't have that. There's nothing worse than a bad pickle. Uh, how about 57 jars of bad pickles? <laughs> it all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. The pandemic didn't bring us down today. It was Fed Chairman Jay Powell taking a different tack, prepping us for him to start tapping the brakes sooner than we thought. Here's what puzzles me. We got hammered today. But who the heck is selling off this news now? Who's deciding that the bull's been slaughtered by Jay Powell's comments that were more hawkish on inflation than we've come to expect? Let's think this through. First, there are the people who've been spooked by inflation all along and now feel like Powell's finally on their side. This cohort wants to scare you out of your stocks in the worst way. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They are great at fear-mongering. It's a strong suit. Second group. There's another contingent who believes that this whole bull market has been propped up by the Federal Reserve's willingness to keep interest rates low. They're confusing the Fed tapering its quantitative easing with actual rate hikes. We don't see those rate hikes all that soon, and certainly not until COVID's under control. Remember, Powell's data-driven. He can change his mind. The problem with the second group is that they seem to assume that Powell would keep rates low forever. That's ridiculous. We were always going to get tighter monetary policy at some point. Powell moving up the timeline by a few months, not the end of the world third group of sellers, those who've made a lot of money and don't want to lose it for any reason, whether we're talking taper or Omicron. These profit takers are willing to hit any bids because they're up so much. Good if you can get out and get back in. Most can't. Fourth group, 
You've got the sellers who want to get out before Omicron takes the U.S. by storm and causes a slowdown that hurts earnings. They fear things like the so-called light sales force guidance or the ATT slowdown signal tonight. They expect the market to dip once we start seeing hospitalizations here, and they know they can buy their stocks back lower later. Again, too nibble for me. The problem for the bulls is that all four camps of sellers are indifferent to price. They tend to just dump the whole S&P and feel relieved the moment they get out, no matter how high it may go up later. As for me, I think you got to be more constructive. We always like to keep some cash on hand for the chapel trust, which we can put to work whenever there's a squall of mindless selling. Why bother? Because what's driving this decline is a fear the economy will get hit with a one-two punch of the Omicron variant and a Fed taper. But the one-two punch is impossible. If Omicron's really bad for business, Powell's not going to tighten. And if Omicron's no big deal and the economy keeps chilling and chugging, taper makes sense. At this point, you know what? After listening to Dr. Topol, I'm actually more worried about missing the Christmas rally than getting slammed by an early December sell-off, especially since the market's already so oversold. And that's why we put some money to work for the Chapel Trust. Check your bulletins, and we're going to do the same thing tomorrow. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. Promise trying to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 